0: Welcome to the Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening.
1: Uh, We believe that you're more than listeners. uh, To quote Brian Kelly, you're family, and we're glad that you're listening to us. Absolutely. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Welcome back, everybody, to the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast, where we have been singing Rocky Top all weekend long, even Darren. He won't admit it, but he has, because we witnessed one of the greatest college football games ever this past weekend. And those of you who are Volunteers fans, I know you're still celebrating Uh, despite your horrible mistreatment of goalposts that never did anything to you. But what a great weekend in college football, and we're here to talk about all of it. But Darren, we've got some big news to announce. We have a winner in our Fanatics giveaway.
0: We do. Let's, Let's first and foremost say thank you to everyone who participated, whether it be by email, social media. We're very, very thankful to everyone that participated in it. And you and I, Have an old school approach to things, even though we use things like social media. Our final process, we took all the names that that participated and did old school Friday night jamboree door prize drawing. We put all the names in a a bowl and pulled out the lucky winner. And the lucky winner is Zach Pape. He is the winner of a $100 Fanatics gift card, uh, which is super. We'll give a round of applause. We'll do that. There you go. Round of applause for Zach And I do want to say one more time, we are very, very thankful to our friends at Manufacturers Advantage for making this giveaway possible. Manufacturers Advantage is a privately owned Louisiana small business. They are a U.S.-based company supporting hundreds of large and small businesses throughout the country since 2007. Their mission is providing customers with the highest level of customer service possible, understanding and appreciating the modern business needs of timely delivery of products and supplies. Give manufacturers advantage the opportunity, and they will work to save your company money, effort, and time by providing products you use every day at the best prices available and most expedient service possible. So give them a call at 318-674-2940 and check them out on the web at www.mfgadv.com. Awesome that they were willing to make that possible, and awesome that Zach now has... $100 $100 gift card to buy some very cool swag at
1: Fanatics. Very, very cool. And thank you again to Manufacturer's Advantage for your generosity in promoting this giveaway. We also have big news in that the last remaining winless team in Division One finally <laughs> bagged a W. And who's that team? The Buffaloes of Colorado.
0: Who did they just recently, it seems like, did they fire their coach? Your favorite coach. Oh, that's right. Our good buddy, Carl Durrell. (laughs) Uh, So it took two weeks for them to shake Carl Durrell (laughs) coaching (laughs) off, and they actually did the impossible and won a game. So (laughs) congratulations to Colorado. You know, some people might say you've won your first game of the year. What's the old saying? Act like you've been there before. Mm-hmm. But I say Colorado student body, you rush
1: that field and celebrate <laughs> your
0: win. I have no objection to it whatsoever.
1: <laughs> Darren, speaking of rushing the field.
0: <laughs> I don't know that I recognize the song. Is that a is that like a fight song for a school or something?
1: Is that <laughs> oh. You know, you're singing the words in your head. You I want will, to. I, I have no choice. As rocky many Vanderbilt. Time will always be home, sweet home to me.
0: As many Vanderbilt UT
1: games as I've been to, believe me,
0: I know it by heart. I've heard that song so many times. I have no choice but to hear the words. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. <laughs> that was an impressive game beginning to end. There was a moment. When Alabama gave that punch, it was like, oh, here it goes. It's that old proverbial we've referenced before, the Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Alabama just delivered the punch. You hate to see it for Tennessee the way the game is gone, but this is going to be the moment, and it just was not. Tennessee got up off the mat and was like, oh, no, 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 we've got more. You cannot do anything but celebrate a kick that looked that ugly being the winning kick. That was one of the, uh, I don't care who you are a fan of, that is one of the ugliest. They kept calling it a knuckleball. I don't even know that that was a knuckleball. I don't know that I've ever seen a ball come off a foot like that in all of my years of football. But man, it did what it was supposed to do. And you have got to give all the credit in the world to Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers. What a win for Tennessee. I don't care if you are the staunchest Tennessee hater in the world. It was a good day in Knoxville, and a good day for the Tennessee Volunteers. What a game and
1: what a win. That was very gracious of you, Darren.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. I give credit where credit is due most you know, of the time.
1: You know, as far as the game-winning field goal, you can talk about how ugly it was, but, you know, it's kind of like when you see someone's kid, and they just think their kid is beautiful, and you're like, this kid is ugly. <laughs> you know, that kick may be ugly to you, but to every Tennessee fan, that was the most beautiful thing in the world. The most
0: beautiful kick most ever. beautiful field ever. goal
1: ever. Absolutely. Speaking of rushing the field and the goalposts, Tennessee fans carried at least one of the goalposts, maybe both. I can't remember. I saw one of them being carried out of the stadium. Yes, and so there is a fundraiser that's been launched to raise money to replace the goalpost. Well,
0: obviously, because they
1: did. I think they took down both. Yes, they both did. of
0: them may not have been taken out of the stadium but they took down both. And yes. one of them's at the bottom
1: of the Tennessee River, right? Right. One made okay. it to the ri- one <laughs> was going through the streets of Knoxville. Yeah. But you can give in different increments. You can give $16 to this fund which in honor of the Peyton Manning donation or the last time you oh. know Oh, six, that's right. Oh, know, it was Manning 18. It's been 15 games since they had uh, won.
0: Yeah. And I think Manning may have been 18. So we'll just Well, now them. you've alienated Tennessee wow. fans. I didn't it, Tennessee fans, if you expect me you to take remember. one step forward
1: and you take two steps back, Darren, <laughs> you can also positive about that. You can also make a donation in the amount of fifty two dollars and forty nine cents in honor of the final score of the game.
0: Oh, Nice.
1: And a third level of donation that you can make is one thousand nineteen dollars and fifteen cents in honor of the one hundred and one thousand nine hundred fifteen people in attendance to see the game. That's pretty clever. Yeah. So, congratulations, Tennessee fans, and donate to get new goalposts. I
0: do have one more prop to give Tennessee. This is the stat of the week from the Tennessee-Alabama game. It is the most points scored on Alabama since the University of of the South in Sewanee Mm. in 1907. Now, how's that for
1: a stat? That's some pretty impressive research. Props to Tennessee. Absolutely. Now let's go to the other end of the spectrum from celebration to picking up horse droppings um, (laughs) on a football field. Maybe this should have been our brown bag, literally. (laughs) Literally. Uh, SMU's mascot, a horse named Peruna Peruna. I don't know how to say it. After SMU scored in the third quarter, they lead the horse out to run on the field to celebrate the score. Well, the horse obviously had some loose bowels, and things he was very excited, came we're out here. of the horse, and <laughs> they had no plan for this, and so you see people out there picking it up by hand, using CUP's 15-minute delay. So
0: should we rename our brown bag pick the Powerade Cup Pick of the Week? <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you Powerade did not sponsor that moment, and they were not excited
1: about it. <laughs> no, not, not at all. So maybe SMU will have a plan for this week. Hopefully. We've got some other good news, and that is, Darren, you and I both successfully picked our upsets of the week. Another applause moment. Darren, you picked TCU over Oklahoma State, yes, yes, breaking yes. the hearts of your loyal Oklahoma State fans.
0: I still hate to go against the mullet. What can you do? you got to call it as you
1: see it, right? They yeah. put up dartboards in Stillwater with your face on them.
0: I hope they kept my mullet intact. And
1: you also, this was not your official pick, but you said that West Virginia was going to, to win as well.
0: Yes. That was not a very popular pick. It probably made me look a little bit crazy, but it worked out. So. Yeah.
1: Now, what was your upset pick that you – Utah over USC. And nice. I love the grittiness of the Utes. The Utes. Going for two. They didn't want to tie. They were going to win. And, and frankly, Cam Rising, he, he outplayed Caleb Williams. Yes. The Lincoln-Riley effect, I I don't know how much is hype and how much is real because this is the second straight year that Utah has beat USC. Last year, Lincoln-Riley wasn't there. This year, he was, and they got beat again.
0: You know, you got to give it up for the Utes. And what they do year in and year year out now, you and I both kind of have our opinions about what that means if you're in the Pac-12, regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to give them props. They have an incredible program and do some really good things year in and year out.
1: Congratulations to the Utes. Now, an intriguing matchup Saturday. We typically cover the SEC and the Big Twelve, but over in the ACC, very interesting. Clemson is is facing Syracuse. It will mark the first time that two teams with at least six wins and no losses have faced each other in the eighty-one season history of Clemson's Death Valley. That's research courtesy yeah. of Darren. Thank you for putting that together. But what a great moment for the ACC. We don't talk a lot about the no. ACC, but you know, I, I hear Syracuse doing well, and I, I immediately think of basketball. You think yep. of Jim Boeheim. Absolutely. I was thinking 1987. Oh wait, they lost to Indiana, didn't they, that year? Yeah. But you know, Derek Coleman and all those great <laughs> yeah. guys that came through there. And I think Syracuse has a legit chance to win I against see. Clemson because yep. they're on a roll, and they don't know. They've never been here before, so they're they're rolling with it. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch.
0: And like we talked about last week, it's really fun to have these kind of conversations, and it's not all about Clemson and Florida State. Because typically, if you're if you're talking about football and, and the ACC, that's who you're talking about. Ma- Miami in the past, but not the last you know several years. It really is all about Clemson and Florida State. Syracuse, to have the win they did last week and come into this Clemson game with a chance to pull off this upset, it's got to be fun for ACC fans, especially for Syracuse fans.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uncharted territory. It's yep. been a while for them since they were really relevant. You can go back to the Donovan McNabb years, yep. uh, but they've had a lot of lean years uh, in between. Well, let's go into our three takeaways from this past weekend. Darren and I, each week, we pick three things that we noticed from this past weekend that really stuck out to us. And, Darren, what was the, what was your first takeaway?
0: My first takeaway, watching some of the things that's happened over the last couple of weeks and seeing how some games have played out and how some teams have looked in different circumstances. There's, there's the old saying, it's not just X's and O's, it's Jimmy's and Joe's. And I think that's even more evident this year maybe than it has been in the past. You know, when you think about Kentucky. A Kentucky without Will Levis is a Kentucky that loses to South Carolina. A Kentucky with Will Levis is a Kentucky that beats Mississippi State. Now, you can't mention that game without specifically talking about the Jims and Joes on the Kentucky defense because they played a great game. They held Mississippi State to 33 yards rushing. That made a pretty dramatic difference in the entire game. Same thing with Texas. A Texas without Quinn Ewers, that's a dramatically different Texas. Arkansas, you get back K.J. Jefferson, you go on an absolute scoring spree, and you beat BYU. Uh one of the 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 teams that made this jump out of my head is Vanderbilt this year. They have Nick Howell as a defensive coordinator and Clark Lee as their head coach. Two documented defensive guys. And they get blown out fifty-five to nothing by Georgia. They are on a three of their last four or th- their three last games have all been scoring. Uh, the, the offenses of the other team have scored 50 points or more. Mm. These guys haven't all of a sudden forgotten how to coach defense. It has everything to do with the Jimmies and Joes. So what's your first
1: takeaway? Going along those same lines, I'm looking at Oklahoma, the big win they just had over Kansas. And I think it's become apparent that Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for Oklahoma, mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. X factor. Yeah. They've got to keep him healthy. The only game he played in this year, the entire game where they lost, was against Kansas State, and it was a seven-point game. So it was not a blowout. He, he was in the game, kept them in the game. He gets knocked out against TCU. And, and granted, things weren't looking too good initially, but it went downhill right. when he, he left the game. He was out, still in concussion protocol when they played Texas, didn't score a point against Texas. He comes in. Saturday, throws for over 400 yards, lights it up. There seemed to be a renewed energy in the, among the Sooners. I just think you've got to keep Dylan Gabriel on the field. You've got to keep him healthy. And while I'm talking about that, um, how about those uniforms? I love the unity on the back. Did you yeah, see that that yeah. the Sooners uh, wore? That so was very good. So very cool. So what was your second takeaway, Darren?
0: Florida fans. <laughs> if you watch the Florida LSU game and you want to get a – upset about something that involves a quarterback, let me make a humble recommendation. Rather than being upset about the roughing the passer call (laughs) that involved the LSU quarterback, how about get upset about the play of your own quarterback who was 15 for 25 with 185 yards and one of those completions by itself, so one of the 15 completions, was responsible for 51 of those 185 yards. Mm. So his other 14 completions were less than 10 yards on average per completion because he only had 134 yards on 14 completions. That's less than 10 yards a completed pass. If you're going to be upset about something and you're a Florida fan, ah, I'm thinking that might be the route to go because if those numbers are different, that roughing the passer call doesn't have the effect on the game that it has. That's the real issue. Not that one call.
1: Yeah, well said. But kudos to Florida. Whoever's idea it was to start playing I Won't Back Down and to actually have Tom Petty's family present.
0: That was awesome. And that's the first time that's happened, correct? Very cool. what they were saying.
1: That was very cool. Very cool.
0: I I definitely thought about you when that was going on Mm because I know you you definitely are the biggest Tom Petty fan that I think I've ever Mm -hmm. uh, had Tom Petty conversations about. So I have this question as an LSU fan hoping you were going to beat Florida at the, at the start of the game. Do you think you were running down a dream?
1: No. Thank you. Good night. That's, <laughs> That's my one Tom Petty reference. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Very nice. Very nice. Don't do me like that again, Darren. <laughs> that was so well done. Well done. <laughs> well, my second takeaway for the past weekend was the woes at Notre Dame. And I know it's Marcus Freeman's first year, but wow. You know, they played Ohio State tough in that first game, lost. And then things got really bad. They lost to Marshall. To put that in perspective, Marshall is currently 3-3. Three and three. They're seventh in the Sun Belt. They've lost to teams like Bowling Green State University and Troy. Mm-hmm. They're currently, by the way, 0-2 in their conference. They beat Cal by a touchdown the same Cal that is now 3-3 three and three and lost to previously winless Colorado this past weekend. <sighs>
0: Oof. That's I
1: rough. thought the win against North Carolina was going to be a turning point for yep. Notre Dame. They came back. They beat BYU by eight. And then they inexplicably lose to Stanford, a team that was 1-4, now is 2-4, and, and currently 12th in the Pac-12. So I don't know where that program is going to go, but right now I think there's cause for concern because you still have USC on the schedule. Yep. But Notre Dame could finish with six losses or five losses before this season is over. A tough year for the Irish and for Marcus Freeman. Uh, how about your third takeaway, Darren?
0: My third takeaway is going to make it sound like I'm a little crazy, but I want you to just roll with me for a minute. I think it is a possibility that we should at least start having the conversation that Lane Kiffen is a better SEC coach than Jimbo Fisher. If you just look straight up at winning percentages, even though Lane Kiffin does have a smaller sample size, you must also take into consideration that his first year was COVID year. So that affects your winning, obviously, if your very first year with your program is in all of the craziness that was COVID, mm-hmm. but even with that, Lane Kiffin has a seventy-three percent winning percentage in the SEC. Jimbo Fisher has a sixty-eight percent winning percentage mm-hmm. in the SEC. If you look at remainder of Ole Miss's schedule, they have LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. If Ole Miss wins three of those games. Mm-hmm. That is an absolute gauntlet to go through mm-hmm. and only come out of with two, two losses. And it is his second back-to-back 10-win season, which is something that Jimbo Fisher cannot say he has one of as an SEC coach. Just a thought, it may be time to start having that conversation that Lane Kiffin is moving up and Jimbo Fisher is dropping down.
1: Good observations. I think it's hard to argue with the statistics that you've just presented.
0: Just a thought. How about you? What's your number three?
1: My third takeaway goes out to a offensive lineman from Kentucky, Tayshawn <laughs> Manning. If you want to look up this video, he's number 79. You have to look up this video. And this was in the second half against Mississippi State. And things were getting a little chippy. There was a lot of pushing going back and forth. And he pushed Mississippi State player, I think it was safety Colin Duncan, and he retaliated by swiping and hitting him in the face mask. Yep. And you watch the video, and there's a few seconds there. Nothing seems to happen. <laughs> and then this big old offensive lineman. Throws both arms up into the air and falls backwards. (laughs) Then you see this flag come out. Congratulations, Tayshawn Manning. When football is over, you need to go straight to Hollywood. Absolutely. That was an Oscar-worthy performance. Incredible. And we will will find that clip and make sure
0: that we have it out on our social medias. It's all over the place. Please,
1: listeners, go check that clip Uh, out. You've not seen anything like that before. It's so fantastic. (laughs) Well, let's get into our CBS Sports Pick'Em and our top three from last week. Not not a whole lot of change in the top three. I'm wondering who's tabulating this because I never seem to be able to break through. I think there's a conspiracy at foot. I know I sound like USC fans, right? <laughs> well right. well I'm not. Said. I'm not leaving the show, okay? Exactly. I'm not leaving for ESPN. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? So Matt Hollis, first place. Zach Pape, second. And JT Moss and Darren... Look at you! I, I snuck into the
0: top three, it, much to my chagrin, if I can be
1: very honest.
0: Misty had a very rough week this week and fell out of the top three, and I was able to jump into her place. So much to my chagrin, but I'll take top three. I'm not going to argue.
1: Yeah. <laughs> In the words of Tom Petty, you got lucky.
0: <laughs> so well done. All right, what is that? Let's see, I'm going to start tapping. Was that our third Tom <laughs> Petty song <laughs> reference?
1: <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> This could go on all night. We could be here. <laughs> it could go. It could go. Because I don't scare easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so impressed right now. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: Before we go into our Pick'em Games of the Week, let's pause right now for This Week in Sports History. October 22nd,
0: 1910, New Haven, Connecticut. The Vanderbilt Commodores took on the Yale Bulldogs. Vanderbilt represented the rise of football in the South, and the Yale Bulldogs represented the dominating power programs of the Northeast, Yale, Harvard, Brown, Princeton, and Penn. The Commodores held the defending national champion Bulldogs to a 0-0 tie. It was the South's first great showing against an Eastern power, and it was the first home game in which Yale failed to score a point.
1: Oh, thank you. Each week, Darren and I pick seven games. We look at seven games... the SEC and the Big 12 and we make our picks and we spend 30 seconds explaining why we picked which team to win.
0: And if we go over 30 seconds, as we learned last week, there's a flag on the play called for delay a game by our good friend David Neesmith with his trusty flag that it is not the first time and probably will not be the last time that he's thrown on us. So...
1: Definitely, and if you've never had a flag thrown on you by David Neesmith, you Sorry. don't know how it feels.
0: Oh, what are we up to? We're up to like
1: seven now. That's so impressive. So our first game of the week, uh, let's talk about seventh-ranked Ole Miss coming to LSU for a Saturday afternoon game. Darren, who wins and why? I think I have to ride the
0: Lane Kiffin train, even though I just cursed him. Uh, calling it a train. 502 yards per game, 55.2% third-down conversion, plus four in turnover, Jackson Dart is undependable as, as Jaden Daniels. That being said, I think
1: Ole Miss pulls it out and they beat LSU. You know, Darren, picking Ole Miss to, to win over LSU, you just, um, <laughs> man, stop dragging my heart around.
0: Oh, I thought you maybe were going to say that was the end of the no, line. No, because you wreck
1: me. <laughs> end of the line is traveling Wilbury. It's a great group. I'm going to go with LSU in this game. Ole Miss is definitely ranked higher, has had more success. LSU, still not totally sure about, but if that offense can crank up like it did against Florida, I like what I see out of LSU. Can they stop Ole Miss offense? That will be the big key. I think the Tigers pull off an afternoon win in Baton Rouge. So that takes us over to Vanderbilt at Missouri. And, Darren, I know you're a huge Commodores fan. And since I'm breaking
0: hearts, I might as well keep rolling today. It won't be the first time in this list and won't be the last time. No, Uh, no,
1: you've been free-falling several times this season. So so well done. Who wins this game and why?
0: Up until the last couple of games, I had a little bit of confidence in Vanderbilt's offense, but that is very quickly waning. Less than five yards per, per rush attempt, less than seven yards per pass attempt. Big A.J. Swan fan. But I think you got to own up to what Missouri has been able to do the last few weeks. I think Missouri, unfortunately, wins this game.
1: I'm going to go with Missouri as well. I like the last name of their coach, Drinkwich. I just think it sounds like a cool-sounding name. I mean, how many other people name. have that last exactly. name? Exactly. So I'm going with the Tigers from Missouri to pull off the victory. So let's move on down to a a, a matchup of two top 25-ranked teams, and that is the 24th-ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs are traveling to Tuscaloosa to face the sixth-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Darren, who wins and why?
0: I, I mentioned earlier that one of the things about that's kind of weird about Mississippi State this year is even though they are the air raid offense, their rushing game seems to determine more so than it ever has under Mike Leach how their passing game goes. And last week, they only had 33 rushing yards, and you could see the production and, and what it looked like. I think Alabama can shut that down as well. Alabama wins.
1: You know, I initially liked Mississippi State until Alabama lost. Coming off of a loss, I think Alabama is going to be tough to yeah. win against. They're playing at home. I agree with you. Alabama wins. All right, let's go down to Texas A&M traveling to South Carolina to experience Beamer Ball. Darren, they're going to be an upset here. Who you got winning and why?
0: You know, I have waffled back and forth on this one. But I think I have finally landed on calling this one an upset. When you look at yards per passing attempt, 7.9, almost eight yards, a full yard better. Spencer Rattler seems to be turning around a little bit. Marshawn Lloyd is running the ball and I think can do so against AM. South Carolina wins this game.
1: You might be right, Darren. Even the losers get lucky sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um,. You know, I, I want to pick South Carolina here. I'm just not sure. There's still some inconsistency. AM, you know, they played Bama tough. Is there going to be a letdown from that? How's their season go from here? I, I think AM is going to pull this out. I do think it's going to be a, a close game, but AM wins this one. So let's move on over to the Big 12. And we have a matchup against Kansas and Baylor, two teams that, well, Kansas was soaring high and has come down a little bit. Baylor has um, experienced some more than we thought at this point. Definite disappointment. Uh, Tough time. So, Darren, who wins this game and why?
0: You know, last week I went against the mullet. I guess I'll just continue on the can't believe I said that out loud thought process, and I'm going to go against the ninja. I think Baylor's year is kind of unraveling a little bit. You look at Kansas, they need Jaden Daniels to start. He's day-to-day. I'm going to believe that he's going to start, that they'll bring him back for this game, and that they pull off the win and
1: upset Baylor. Hmm. Your honesty is your saving grace. You know that. <laughs> I like this matchup. I do think Baylor, they, they've got to get it going here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is going to tank their season if they lose to Kansas. So I think Dave Aranda finds a way uh, to lead his team to victory. Baylor uh, wins this one in a close one. How about uh, going down to West Virginia at Texas Tech? And whenever I think about this game, I think of the year where Geno Smith was in the Heisman
0: oh, yeah. uh-huh.
1: discussion, and they went to Lubbock, and he had one of his worst games. They yeah. ended up losing, and he talked about the wins out there is what, what affected his passing. Threw everything and that's off. always stuck with me. So is that going to happen mm. to JT Daniel? Uh, Daniels. so who wins this, West Virginia or Texas Tech?
0: You know, I was uh, in Morgantown, even though I couldn't pronounce it. I I metaphorically was in Morgantown. There he goes again, Morgantown, burning (laughs) burning couches last week and celebrating the win. I think I'm going to be doing the same this week. I mean, you got to be impressed with Joey McGuire and what he's doing with the Texas Tech Red Raiders. But I think West Virginia is on a little bit of a roll, and it continues.
1: They beat Texas Tech. I agree with you. My wife is a huge West Virginia fan, so I'm going to listen to her heart, and I'm going to go with the Mountaineers.
0: <laughs> I wish I was keeping tabs. I stopped counting. I wish. I... <laughs> well, that takes us
1: down to a big top twenty-five matchup in Stillwater. The 20th-ranked Texas Longhorns coming to town to face the 11th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys, a team that you loved and turned your back on last I week. Did. Darren, are you going to make it up to Stillwater fans this week?
0: I, I am not. I'm going to have to, if I'm going to go with with mullets, we talked about Quinn Ewers having a mullet last week, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to go with mullets, I think I'm going to go with Quinn Ewers. And by the way, this is our pet pick game of the week this week, so let us know. Send us a picture of your pet or, or tag us on social media and let us know what your pick is. Uh, I am picking Texas Longhorns to win this game against the Cowboys.
1: Darren, what, what an epic breakdown in your relationship with Oklahoma State fans. I'm telling you.
0: I know they're not happy. Go Cowboys.
1: <laughs> I think the Cowboys pull this out. They send Texas back home with a loss. And that takes us to one more game, and that is the 11th ranked or 17th ranked Kansas State Wildcats traveling to Fort Worth to face the 8th ranked TCU Horned Frogs. Darren, who you got and why? Sonny Dykes'
0: offense, oh my goodness, 6-0, 526 yards per game, 6.3 yards per rushing attempt, 9.2 yards per passing attempt. As much as I like Kansas State in that defense, I don't think they can stand up against this offense. TCU is going to continue to roll and find that seventh win and beat Kansas State.
1: Darren, I agree with you. TCU's doing great. In fact, you could say that TCU is learning to fly this season. Another big win against Kansas State, TCU.
0: I am loving every second of this, by the way.
1: And don't forget our Pet Pick'Em of the Week, and that is the Texas-Oklahoma State game. Yep. Send us a picture of your favorite pet. Tell us who your pet is picking.
0: Oh, and last week's, pe- pet, last week's pet picked, there we go, Tennessee, and our pet of the week, his name was? Zeke. Zeke. And Zeke picked Tennessee, and I am pretty confident Zeke's a happy boy this week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and don't worry about the tongue twisters. It's just our southern accents.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> There's a lesser known one, but a great one. See, great now that song. was a Tom
0: Petty fan pool right That's there. That's a great that
1: one. <laughs> well, I believe this takes us into four down territory. Here we go you're in four down territory this is where we make our sure thing pick our upset pick and a brown bag pick along with the post game coaches quote of the week so darren who is your sure thing pick for this week
0: I think I'm going to stick with Alabama over Mississippi State as my sure thing pick. You know, the things you said about Alabama coming off of a loss, what that's going to look like combined with what they can do to Mississippi State defensively, I feel like I think that is a sure thing, Alabama
1: over Mississippi State. How about you? I'm going to go with TCU. They are rolling right now. I don't see any reason that Kansas State's going to disrupt that TCU sure thing pick of the week. Darren, how about your upset pick?
0: You know, the Jaden Daniels thing scares me a little bit, but I feel like that is going to be a definite win for Kansas. They're going to be able to pull that off. Kansas is my upset pick of the week.
1: Don't be scared. You don't have to live like a (laughs) refugee.
0: (laughs) I'm so impressed with how many songs you can just pull.
1: (laughs) So the upset pick, I I was going between two different games, one in the SEC and, and actually one in the ACC. And and I'm really intrigued by this game in the ACC, Syracuse and Clemson. And I'm going to go out on a huge limb here and say that Syracuse is going to somehow pull out the improbable win against Clemson. I know that's an early morning game. I don't know how much of a factor that will be. But I'm going to go with uh, the orange from Syracuse pulling out a huge win in the ACC. Nice. Yeah, That would be a big upset. That it would be nice. Be. It would be. How about your brown bag pick of the week? Okay, so first let me ask this question.
0: Don't come around here no more. That's a Tom Petty song, correct? Uh-huh. Okay, so we've all been sitting around waiting for Auburn to say to Brian Harson, don't come around here mm-hmm. no more, and they haven't yet. My brown bag pick of the week is Auburn because uh-huh. reports came out this week that basically it is a foregone conclusion that everyone knows, including Harson, that he is gone, but they have not pulled the trigger because they have not hired an AD. Mm-hmm. And they want to hire an AD, put him in place, let him be the one to fire Brian Harson, which, goodness gracious, that might be why you're having trouble hiring an AD when everybody knows that's going to be his first job. And then hire his guy, whoever that is. And when you look at the history of the way Auburn has treated head coaches for decades, not just Brian Harson, to me that's a big brown bag moment, and, and, and it's going to continue throughout this season, though.
1: It's really hard to see at Auburn. It, it's yeah. it's hard to watch what's going on, and you know the coach he's he's in a position to fail. Yeah, absolutely, uh, it, it's tough to see. We we all know the writing is on the wall. Yep, yeah, definitely. But throughout the season, you're not even letting the guy coach. You keep jamming him, and
0: uh, and I think it says something for him as a coach that I think you can watch the way this team has played. They have not quit on him. He still has that locker room. And with everything that's going on, that's impressive. I think that says something positive about him as a coach.
1: Yeah, they they had a great effort against yep, Ole Miss for sure. So my brown bag pick of the week is the inconsistency in officiating.
0: Oh, I'm on board with this.
1: Uh, I'm I'm disturbed because as a fan, and I I don't not trained to be an official. I haven't gone to any type of workshops or sessions. I just watch college football and have for years. And for the life of me, there are calls I cannot figure out. Agree completely. Regardless if it's a game where, where I have a vested interest, calls like what is a forward pass? Yes. What is a fumble? What is a roughing the passer? You know, there's so many calls. The targeting is, is very hard. There's some cases you clear cut. You're like, absolutely, that was targeting. But then there was a game where I saw one and I thought, that's absolutely targeting. Right. And they said, no. This one wasn't. No. <laughs> so the problem with rules is the application of them tends to be arbitrary. Yes. And the interpretation is up for discussion. And we're seeing that, and there's not a clear baseline here. And so I think we need to go back to square one and we really need to, to look at some of these calls and and the number of reviews that we're having where they can't quickly review it up in the box we have to stop the game the length of the review and kill momentum absolutely it it, it's it's getting a little bit ridiculous and and i think that's some uh, needs to be a point of emphasis among the ncaa in the off season
0: agree completely that's a great brown bag agree completely so darren what do
1: you find for the
0: post-game quote of the week now we've talked about tennessee alabama and if I'm on board with cheering the Tennessee win, you can't help, even if you're not a Tennessee fan, I think you have to like Josh Heupel. Mm. You have to be impressed knowing how horrible things were at Tennessee when Jeremy Pruitt was there, not only in football, but in just overall legislation of the program. I mean, everything was an absolute dumpster fire, basically the entire time Jeremy Pruitt was there and to do what Josh Hypel has done in the amount of time he's done it you, you got to be impressed with with what he's doing and you got to give him some props and i think he shows how excited he is with this this post game quote he drops all the coach speak and he actually acknowledges this is a this is a big freaking deal <laughs> you know this is a great win And it was unselfish in his approach for the kids, for the program, for the former players, for the administration, for donors. So you got to give him props for being in the moment and being able to and willing to be honest about how big of a deal it was. So let's listen to what Josh Heupel has to say about winning this game. Sorry I'm a little bit late. (laughs) I like that already. Uh, During the week, uh, I don't know that I I downplayed it, but – I certainly didn't recognize it and, and, and felt it and knew it uh, from the moment that I've gotten here. Uh, tonight, obviously, was for our, our, our players, but um, it's for our former players. Um, it's for our donors. It's for our fans. Um, I know how much this has meant um, to the people of, of Tennessee and Ball Nation, and, and uh, so excited that uh, we are coming out with a win uh, for everybody involved. It, uh, it was a great night. And he goes on to say a little bit later on that he, he did partake in his victory cigar, but he smoked it slow and enjoyed it. So you've got to love Josh Heupel being willing to be in the moment and celebrate that win for what it is. So, so to me, that's a great postgame quote. Even if you're not a Tennessee fan, you can't help but be excited for Josh Heupel in that moment. And, and truthfully, for where that program has come from in the short amount of time under his leadership.
1: Yeah, you got to be happy for Josh Heupel and and the job he's done. So great quote, great quote. And so, Darren, that almost takes us into the great wide open as we wrap up this podcast. But first, (laughs) we've got some updates uh, to share, and we've mentioned several of them already. Darren, tell everybody ways that they can connect with us.
0: You can always email us at brewandshavers at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the text line, 318-390-3599. And even if you're running right now or walking right now or driving in the car and you're not able to write that down, whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on, just go to the show notes, click on See More on the episode, and you will see our Linktree link and all of those things are right there available for you. All you have to do is click on the link and anything, including being able to go, go to our blog, seeing JT's incredible tailgate recipes, all of those links are right there at your fingertip, just a tap away if you're on your phone or a click away on your computer. So, so be sure and do that every single week, every single show. Those links are in the show notes.
1: Remember, new episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. You can listen anytime at your convenience on whatever podcast platform. You choose to listen to. Even though we only have one show a week, we appreciate you sticking around. Yes. And, and I know sometimes it's tough between shows because as Tom Petty once sang, the waiting is the hardest part.
0: We've got to at least be to 15. That's so impressive to pull that many song titles.
1: <laughs> so until next week, y'all take care. Have a great week.